The thing about the cross is, is that the cross is a tool that God used to make available forgiveness. To make available forgiveness for you and I, who are sinful people. Not only so that we can get forgiveness of our sins, but that we we may extend that forgiveness to others. And you see, apart from the cross, apart from the cross, we have no hope of heaven and no faith for living in today. Our key verse I want to show to you on the screen as we talk about the cross this morning is one that you might not really associate with a message on the crucifixion and the cross. But as I can say, is that God led me here and, and let's, let's roll. It says in Romans 1, 18, it says the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. If you like to underline in your books or you like to to highlight or you like to take a note or if you're following along on the Bible app and you want to make a note there, understand that the power of God comes through the cross, nothing else. So as we began our journey on this road to redemption... We have seen the significance of Jesus being the one and only sacrificial lamb. We have seen the power that his blood brings because it's the only thing that can cover our sins. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But this morning, our road to redemption leads us straight to the cross. And it's looking right at us. You see, in today's world... A cross is a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of redemption. And it's a symbol of love. Crosses are used as logos to promote Christian beliefs. Some even wear crosses as jewelry, as an accessory. And still others mock the cross. Even worse than that, some still ignore it. But for many, the message of the cross has been sanitized. It has been sterilized, and it has been generalized. I sound like a preacher when I say that, don't I? It's been sterilized, sanitized, and generalized to the point where people can appreciate it, but often forget the true power it brings. And you may even be here today thinking, okay, here's our cross message because it's Easter. My friend, how many times have we seen the cross? How many times have we heard the cross preached? And it just seems like, okay, been there, done that, and bought the t-shirt. My friend, don't look at this as you've heard it before and been there. I want you to understand today that the reason that we are here, the reason we have any hope of having eternity with Jesus, any hope of having power on this earth where we live in right now is because only of the cross. Do not forget the true power it brings. I mean, think about it. How many times in the night do we flip on a light switch to where we are trying to go somewhere and we turn on the lights, right? Or maybe we're driving down the road and we turn on our lights to our our car or our truck and it lights up the, the road and everything is fine. And all of that power is at our fingertips. I mean, think about it. We can scatter the darkness when we drive or we can scatter the darkness in our house or wherever we're at. But do we really appreciate it? And I would say no. I would say we take our headlights on our cars for granted. 
We take our light switches for granted. How do I know that? When the power goes out. How many of you walk into a room where the power is out and you still flip on the switch? How many of you are driving down the road and if you were to happen to lose your lights, I used to drive a Chevrolet Monza, Google it, and you will know that I have lost my lights before. It is not pretty. We are so used to having our light that we take it for granted. There is no power, no power that can generate or hold any light like the power of the cross. But yet many take that power for granted. One preacher once said this. He said, we have spent so much time in the light, speaking to Christians, just like you and just like me. We have spent so much time as Christians in the light of Jesus that we have either fallen asleep or lost the ability to see the darkness. We have to be careful. Do not take the power of the cross of Jesus lightly. Try to see it like you did for the first time. Do you remember when all of a sudden you realized that you were a sinner and you saw the cross looming in front of you and you saw that is the bridge to get me to God? We used to do a, a witnessing thing where you would draw out a diagram and you would show God on this side, man on this side, and the only way to get from one side to the other side was a bridge made from a cross. Jesus Christ is the bridge for you and me to approach God, and there is no other way. Everyone must make a choice. The idea of one man's death on a cross covering the sins of all those who accept it sounds foolish to some. Sounds really foolish to some and like a lifeboat to somebody else. The cross stands before every one of us in here in this room today. And everyone must make a choice to embrace the power of the cross or frankly let it run you over. Let's look at our scripture for this morning. The first thing that we see is the power of the cross cannot be figured out. It can only be revealed. The power of the cross. Some of you might be in here today saying, well, preach, I don't, I don't get it. That's okay. It hasn't been revealed to you yet. Or some of you might be in here and you say, well, yeah, I used to figure that out, but, but it's kind of confusing now. My friend, you better run back to it. Because we are not promised that we will always understand that. It's a drawing of the Holy Spirit. Let me talk about what I'm, I'm talking about here, or tell you what I'm talking about here. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. It is the very power of God. Could I get you to say that with me today? It is the very power of God. Try it. It is the very power of God. Good, I knew you could do it. Participation stickers for everybody when you leave. But seriously, to the Corinthians, the knowledge of the gospel was foolishness. Because the Corinthians, they celebrated and took pride in their wealth and in their knowledge and in their social statuses. And the Greeks, they were lovers of wisdom, meaning literally philosophers are people who love wisdom and philosophy. But there was nothing in the gospel message that appealed to those that figured they had some type of special knowledge. And still that same spirit is still alive today. Everywhere you find somebody preaching the gospel, you will find somebody that is opposing it. 
And many things simply by saying that Christianity is just a crutch for the weak-minded have the authority to say so. I remember when I was a teenager and I got so shaken up because one of my friends would say, Well, I don't believe in God. And like, I'm supposed to defend God? You don't need to defend God. God defends Himself. So I learned along the way that when somebody says that, says, man, that's a pretty big, bold statement to say. What makes you say that? And what gives you the authority to say that? Because for you to say there is no God would mean that you have to be as powerful as a God to say there is not one. And they say, huh? And the conversation is over. There are so many people that that are so prideful that they would say that there is no God. That yet they they would go and write books. There are libraries filled with books all over our world that talk about the the non-existence of God and how this is not right. But yet this word, the only book that we need, stands time after time, generation after generation. People die for this book. The inspired word of God. Poets and philosophers and preachers and theologians have made claims and quotes and ideas that will last long after they're gone. But my friend, rest assured that any word that is not out of this book one day will perish. I don't care what celebrity, what politician, what teacher, what professor or what shaman or whoever they are or whatever title they are. We still remember quotes from people that have been dead and gone. And they're good quotes. But my friend, one day that quote will not save us from the pending judgment of Jesus Christ. Only what is in this book. Only the cross. And the thing is, is that the world's status is messed up. When you think the world's status or value system is messed up. For example, the things people value when they are living are sold for pennies when they die. The things that we were, that were supposed to bring us happiness are the very things that kept people from the peace of God. You grow up, you want a car. Here comes a car payment. Well, now your neighbor got a boat, you want a boat. And now you got a boat. Now you got a lawnmower. Now you got a, a kid in school. And now you got two kids in school and now you got a job that you hate then all of a sudden you realize that you're you're older and you're like all these things that i own now own me that's the kind of world that we're living in the things that are supposed to bring us happiness are the things are the very things that are choking out the spirit of god in our lives the black and white of scripture remember Years ago, and, and, and it's been a while since I've been in youth ministry, but there was a guy named Josh McDowell a long time ago that talked about the fact that the, the, the difference between right and wrong was eroding away. He did series on this. He did books on this. And then all of a sudden, we see what has happened. People have taken the black and white of Scripture, and their world they have painted gray. Yeah, I know the Bible says it's wrong, but yeah, I, I choose not to believe that. Or, eh, the Bible's wrong. Again, who has the right to say that? A businessman goes to jail for thinking he should not mix business with ethics. A person in the military sells top secret information for the, and also their integrity just for the mighty dollar. A father admits to killing his family. 
Where did we go wrong, folks? All of this stems from someone saying they know better for themselves than God does. They know what's better for themselves than God. From the very moment Adam and Eve were in the garden, that same rebellion is alive and true today. People say, oh my goodness, I don't know why this world is so messed up. Because we're messing it up. Do not be too proud this morning to accept the truth of the cross. And then the cross, again, is the power of God. Where do you find your power comes from? Let me just ask you that. Where do you find your power comes from? If you want to know, take a moment and inventory your actions. Your actions will show you where your power comes from. If you constantly feel powerless in life, that's a pretty good sign that you are looking for power in the wrong place. The other day I had to start a vehicle that the battery was dead. Now how, how much sense would it be to say, oh, I know, a battery, no problem. I'll just take this one out of my watch and put it on top of that, that battery for that vehicle. It won't crank. I know what. I got a nine volt in the office. Let me go try that out. Nine volt's not going to crank it. I know what. I'm going to get one of those big old D batteries. Any of y'all ever remember the D batteries? I mean, those things could take out somebody's head if you threw it at them. And so the D battery didn't work. I had power. I had it stored in these different assortments of, of, of power cells, but. None of them work because they did not have enough power. My friend, if your life is stalled, if your life won't start, if your life is powerless, you are plugged to the wrong power. Anyone would be considered a fool who uses something of lesser power when they have access to greater power. We also see that you cannot understand the cross unless it is revealed to you. It says in John 6, 63-65, that the Spirit alone, this is Jesus talking, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are the Spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. He said in verse 65, then he said, this is why I said that people can't come to me unless the father gives them to me. My friend, you will only understand the power of the cross when God reveals it to you. That's why I beg and I plead when we have invitations that if God is pulling at your heart to make a decision, because if you don't, you are not guaranteed that will happen again. At some point, when you feel that revelation of who Jesus is, then you will have to make a choice to either accept its message or to reject it. So what is that message? Well, let's look at our next point. The clear message of the cross is Christ crucified. The clear message of the cross is Christ crucified. You don't have to go to Fox News to hear this. You don't have to go to CNN. You don't have to go to Facebook. You don't have to Google it. The message of the cross is Jesus Christ. Somewhere along the way, churches have gotten too sidetracked with their buildings, with their doctrines, with their want to be right and their want to be wrong, and they have forgot the message of the cross, which is Christ crucified. If I say nothing else this morning, 
If you hear nothing else that I say, if you walk away here remembering that the message of the cross is Christ crucified, then my friend, God can do something with that. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, talking about who is the message of the cross for. It's for everybody. It says in verse 21, Since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. I love Paul. He's like, look, I may not hit a lick, but I'm telling you what, if I preach Jesus, He's going to get you. He says in verse 22, It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say, It is all nonsense. What does Christ crucified mean? It means that Jesus was handed over to be crucified. Jesus did not get killed. Man had no power over Jesus' death. Jesus laid down his life. Jesus didn't go when they killed him. Jesus went when he was ready to go. The same crowd that welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem, waving palm branches and singing Hosanna, would three days later yell, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Onlookers would scream, Come down off the cross if you are the Son of God, as you claim. The religious leaders were very proud of themselves. And they would say, Look at this King of the Jews. He can save others, but they can't even, He can't even save Himself. He had the crown of thorns on His head to mock a king's crown. He had a robe around him to mock a king's robe. Above his head was a marquee that said the king of the Jews, which was meant to be a slam against him, but they unknowingly gave him the very exact title he was, the king of kings and the king of the Jews. Jesus was crucified as an innocent man. Between two criminals. One of the criminals screamed, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and save us. Yet the other criminal said and begged, Please, Jesus, when you go into your kingdom, remember me. We may not have been at the crucifixion, but we have all played our part. You see, your sin became his sin on the cross. My sin became his sin on the cross. It was your sin and mine that put Jesus' nails, or put the nails into Jesus' hands and feet. And they went out to a place, it says in Matthew 27, 33 and 34, and they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. The actual hill, if you look at it, looked like a skull, a place of death. And the soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall, but when he had tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes and throwing dice. I got a question for you. Here's my question. What does your sin sound like? What does your sin sound like? As they took his hand and nailed his hand into that cross. 
Then his other hand. Then his feet. That's what your sin sounds like. And it is no joke. It sounds awful. It sounds scary. It sounds jarring. Yet Jesus' first words, after he is being crucified, he looks at them, spitting on him, yelling at him, the same ones that were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, now crucify him. His disciples are gone. Nowhere to be found. And the first thing he says is, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. The cross has the power to make you right with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 and 31. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be the wisdom himself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Folks, our salvation and wisdom are grounded in Jesus Christ. And if you want to call me a fool for believing in Jesus Christ, I'll be your clown all day long. Because when I thought I knew everything about my life, and I thought I knew what was going on, I was, I was running into the ditch. And my life with Christ is so much better than it was without it. There is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. Paul says it here. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ, through the cross, sets us free from sin. It says in Romans 6, 6, that we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Understand this, believer, and I, I'm about ready to wrap up so you can get your lunch plans ready. But I want you to understand this. I want you to understand the fact that you are crucified with Christ. So, my friend, if you are a Christian... And engaging in habitual sin is because you choose to. It's called a carnal Christian. And if you wonder why you do not have the benefits of Christ and the benefits of this prayer you may have prayed years ago when you threw a stick into a fire or in VBS when everybody else was coming up and you wonder where the power is, the sin is killing the power. If you are a Christian, and if I am a Christian and we sin, it's because we choose to, because we are no longer slaves to it. But those who do not know Jesus Christ don't know any better. That's why we must take the gospel to them. So this morning, I would say that your road to redemption runs straight to and through the cross of Jesus Christ. Your road to redemption runs straight to and through the cross of Jesus Christ. God's way of thinking is not like the world's thinking. It will be foolish to some. And God offers eternal life, which this world can never give. If you have been trying to live your lives with all the world offers you, my friend, I promise you, you will end up short. You and I do not receive the power of God without 
the foolishness of the cross. I will take God's power and be a tool or fool in their world, in this world any day, before I will be powerful on earth and be a fool in eternity. I will take God's power and be a fool in this world any day before I will be powerful on this earth and be a fool who missed the cross and went to hell. On your road to redemption, my friend, make sure that you have met Jesus at the cross, that you have received forgiveness for your sins, and that you are continuing to walk down the road with him, not against him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what your son did for us on the cross. The Lord, if you have revealed yourself to someone today, they realize that they are sinners, that they their life is not making sense, and they've tried their best on their own, and they're just ending up short, and they're tired of fighting you, and they want to come to you today and accept you as their Savior and Lord, and to experience this power they've heard about that comes to the cross. May they come forward at this time. I'm not going to beg people, Lord, but if there is somebody that you are drawing, may they come now while you are drawing because they are not promised once they leave this place that that will come again. You can make a decision, but if you make no decision, you have made your decision. Maybe there's a believer here that just wants to come to the altar and pray. Somebody may need prayer. If you don't want to come forward, grab a friend and let them come up with you. There is nobody that's going to judge you for approaching the Lord. If the Lord is calling on your heart and pulling on you, would you respond at this time? Would you stand?